0: The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission? To make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org.
1: All right, well, welcome, everyone. This is Julian, Interim Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I'm sitting here with Daniel Ward, our student pastor, and this is week two of our We Are Fellowship series. Uh, I preached the first sermon, and Daniel has preached this sermon, and so we're here to uh, follow up a little bit about what Daniel talked about as far as Christ-centered community. So you ready, Daniel? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Uh, first thing, you, you talked about being excited to preach this message at fellowship because fellowship is home for you. I mean, all week before you preached it, you were coming to my office and you were telling me about, you know, you were really excited about this text. Can you go into detail a little bit more about as to why fellowship is so close to your heart?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I talked about in the message, uh, we've grown up in fellowship, and, uh, you know, my, my parents met at fellowship even. Uh, you know the the membership card they had was from 1992 when I was in first grade. But there's actually a membership card in there from before when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And um, dad was they were in the youth group together, and that's where they met at at camp. And um and so it, it even goes back further to that point. Uh, I had an uncle that served on staff here. Many people know Brother Palmer. Brother Palmer served on staff here for many years. And uh, this has just always been home for us. And so, you know that that means a lot. And but really. It really started to mean a whole lot when I became a teenager. Um, fellowship impacted our family's life. My dad got really involved, and in, well, my parents together both got really involved in serving with students. And I saw a radical change in their life and, and the, the commitment. You know, church had always been a priority for us, but whenever they really got involved, it, it just changed who they were as people. And, uh, and, and I remember it changed our home life a lot and, and things, things got different and, and there was this new focus as a family and, uh, you know, they were really involved in serving with students. And then about that time I started getting into like seventh grade, about the age that you get in student ministry and, uh, because they were so involved in student ministry Obviously, we were very involved in student ministry, and so we were here every time the doors were open, mm-hmm. and even then on times when the doors weren't open because Dad had keys would come up here. I mean, this was just our second home. We were here all the time, and, and through that, the relationships that were built is is what became so meaningful, and not just with the teenagers, but even with some of the other adults in the church, you know, Miss Nan Decker taught me how to play piano when I was a kid. You know, like everybody, so many people in our church has impacted my life. And so living in that christ Center community for so long, it was hard. It's hard to live in any other kind of atmosphere. And so fellowship's just always been, just been home for me. And and the people here have a special place in my heart.
1: Yeah. I almost feel too, I mean, we've only been here four years, but the people of fellowship have a way of just getting into your heart. Like they're genuine, they love you, they care about you. And they, you know, for us, even they make you feel at home really fast. Yeah. And so I think for us that, that does it a lot that, you know, it feels like home because the people make it feel like home. Do you feel like that as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people here are unique. There's no other place like this in the world, in my opinion. And uh, and and the reason that it's like that is because of the people. Uh, because you know, w- w- there's just this this foundation of love and and generosity and welcoming each other, and, and it is it is very much a family atmosphere.
1: Yeah. Also, because you hear a lot, or I've experienced even at other churches where you have kind of these church quarrels or these cliques, and people are different with each other, but that doesn't go on here. I and mean, I'm not saying just because I'm on the inside and want to make it seem great, like it literally does not go on here at
0: all. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we've heard pastors complain, you know, about having to deal with mm-hmm. church members who get, who fight over the color of the carpet or the right. fight over the the, you know painting the walls and it's like this whole ordeal to make any little program change. And that's just not the heart of the people at fellowship. And that's, I think that's another thing that makes it really unique here.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that kind of just slingshots us into the next question. You mentioned being generous as it pertains to giving. Uh, And so giving generously in the time of Acts chapter two uh, looked a lot different than it does now. Um, Like they sold all their possessions and they, it met each other's needs, it kind of looks very different than now. Do you think we could ever reach a level of that generosity here, or do you feel that our culture today really doesn't allow for that?
0: Yeah, so um, the American church is, as much as we want it to be exactly like the early church, it, there's a lot of differences, and it's it has become, the, the structure has changed a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and so... You know, back then in the text, it says that they were generous and they sold they they sold their possessions and and gave to those at, at, who had need. Um, in our context, giving looks a little different than that sometimes. Um, so you know, people give to the church and then the church kind of distributes that out, um, and so it's a different model. But I do think that what you what you're to answer your question, I do think that we can absolutely get to that, and I even think that that we could be there now, actually, if, if you kind of mm. think about it, if, cause let's say, you know, one of your kids, let, let's say Gabby had something happen, a medical need or something. I believe with all my heart that our people would give to that specifically, that specific sure. need. Um, and so I think sometimes part of the problem is communication. Maybe we don't know about the specific need mm. and, uh, you know, we have things set up, we have benevolence set up and different things set up to meet special needs that we budget for every year but above and beyond that, I totally believe the majority of people in our church have a heart for people. And, you know, you got 2020, you can set up GoFundMes and stuff like that. I do believe that if there was a specific need, I think our people would jump on board with that um, and give to that. I do.
1: Yeah. It is interesting about, you said something about like knowing when there is a need. I remember, uh, I remember during Harvey, after Harvey, we had like a lot of, Water and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. we had water in the foyer for weeks, and right? People just didn't take it, right? Because maybe they thought someone else needed it more than they did, right? It wasn't right. that they were prideful, or whatever. But that that's yeah, I think I can see that too. That they felt, well, I don't need it as much as someone else might, so I'm not going to take it. And yeah. we literally just wanted people to take water, like take a yeah. case of water, home please take it so it doesn't rock it here. here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I guess I could see that, um. And and you're right. Things look different today as far as budget, and we have yeah. to pay electricity bills, and right. we have to. But what do you think? What do you think could be the similarities of some of the needs then, kind of at the way it looks now too, right? Because needs were different, obviously. The, yeah. You know, then you didn't really have a pay structure like we have now, and but they did give to maybe the apostles who were teaching and stuff like that, and didn't hold down a nine to five. Right. What do you think about some of that?
0: Yeah, so I think that um I think that they had probably had some of those same human needs that we have today, to, the need to eat. Right. Yeah. People need to eat, people need groceries and and there are people today. We have people today that came by and and yeah. were were hungry and and we were able to provide some groceries through through our budget for that. Um and so but you know, so, like you said, like I said before, sometimes we don't we don't know that. And so Sure. Um, but yeah, I think people have the need to eat, people need shelter. And so, um, you know, trying to help meet those needs for people. And I do think that people, there's like medical needs. Sometimes there's a medical need that we, uh, know about that we try to help with, or maybe there's a lot that we don't know about, you know, and people get overwhelmed by that sometimes. And sometimes all it takes is just communicating to your church body. Hey, we have this financial burden and it doesn't even have to be like, in front of everybody or in a group, just pull one of us aside and say, here, I have this need. Is there any way that we can get some help with this? And, you know, we're going to do everything we can to try to meet those needs. I do think that there were spiritual needs back then too, as far as like you were talking about, like using the finances to go and do something ministry minded with it, like reaching people with it. Right. And so I think, I think that, uh, as they were giving to those who had need, it was maybe giving, setting up ministries in different places and building new churches, you know, around and and because it was advancing so fast, you yeah. know, thousands of people just like that overnight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that some of that was giving to those kinds of things too, which, which we also do here as well, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, if you have 3000 people saved, then you need to have yeah. enough, trainees mm-hmm. for those 3,000 people to learn and to be discipled and to be pastored. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a full-time job for yeah. some people. I mean, it's a full-time job for us and, yeah. you know, we, we have 200 people in our right. sanctuary or whatever. Right. And so, uh, I think, um, I think that's a, that's a good point. That's,
0: I'll say this too. Uh, I, I struggle with that pride a little bit, like, you know, wanting to go to someone else when you, when you have a need, mm. I, I struggle with that. And I remember, when Becca and I were kind of newly wed and, and new into ministry, we were struggling financially. Like it was, we were struggling to make ends meet. And uh, there was a period of time when, when there was this, this uh, bill that was coming up and, and I, w- I didn't know how we were going to pay it. And, and it was one of those, those instances where you hear, you, you hear stories like this all the time, but, I walked in my into the office and we you know we have our little boxes in there yeah. where, where our mail is and I pulled out this card and it was exactly the amount that the bill was due for. Wow! And so I wasn't willing to go and proclaim a need. I never told anybody that I had this need because I was too prideful to do that. But yeah. but God still was like, "You have a need. I'm going to meet your need." And so I would challenge people like, if you have a real need, yeah. let, let people, this is what we're supposed to do as a church is to meet those needs. And so let people in on that, let people in on your life. And I know it's tough to, to let those walls down, but it's important.
1: Yeah. And you said something really interesting, like, um, going back to, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, we have a budget and then people give to that budget and you kind of exposed some of that this Sunday in your sermon and said, it's not about the budget, you know, that's, that's not the way it works. And so I think people have this perception, just from my point of view, that you give to the church and then the church designates, right? Yeah. But but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You know, right. we can only designate so much here as a staff or as mm-hmm. a church budget, but there are, you know, a hundred people out in the congregation who could all get together and take care of a need. And yeah. to me, that's how I saw it more happening back then, right? That somebody has a need and then we... We make that need known, at, you know, with the being cautious to not, you know, offend anybody. Right. But but then but then we give people opportunity to worship God through blessing someone else. Right. And I think we lack that sometimes.
0: Yeah. well, that is exactly how your mix event went, though, right? I mean, yeah. That didn't get funneled through our church budget. You guys just got together at Walmart and started swiping each other your cards and and paid for that. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what this is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you're supposed to tithe, you're supposed to give the church budget so we can, you know, do the ministries and outreach and all the things that we want to do. But at the same time, people are free to see a need and meet a need. Yeah. If you see a need, it doesn't have to be that you see a need, come to one of us and say, is it okay if I use my money to meet? No, you <laughs> meet the need. If yeah. you see a need and you have the ability to meet the need, then by all means, meet the need.
1: Yeah. And it's okay for the individual believer to understand, like, yes, you give to the church and, you know, we have run this budget or whatever, but that's not the end all be all of how we meet needs, nor should it be. Right. You agree
0: with that?
1: 100%. All right. So, uh, your last point Sunday was about being faithful and, you know, this one can get a little touchy. You know, you talked about sports and Sunday sports and I'm kind of right there with you, but elaborate a little more on the importance of how faithfulness looks in all aspects of life and not just on Sunday morning. Yeah, so, you know,
0: faithfulness, it's faithfulness to Christ-centered community is the point. And so that doesn't always end up being on Sundays. I mean, culturally, that's kind of where we've kind of put our day is that Sunday's the day. But I think Christ, faithfulness to Christ-centered community looks more like, like I talked about Sunday, like being faithful to your growth group, mm. being faithful yourself at home, because we're saying that we're rooted in, in Scripture, right, that that's our foundation. Well, that has to be a foundation individually before it can be a, a foundation corporately. And so being faithful in your quiet time to spend time in the Word, faithful to spend time in prayer, faithful to spend time uh, in growth group like we talked about, faithful to spend time just during the week, doing life together, right? We yeah. we know people that, that are every day of the week doing some kind of an event. And a lot of times it's that they're having people in their homes so that they can build relationships so that they can reach that person for Christ, right? The goal, they're, they're meeting and having Bible studies with the goal of building a relationship and gaining the credibility to share the gospel. And so faithfulness looks many different ways. And I do think that Sunday's important. I do think that they were meeting together in doing what we do on Sundays. But I think that for some reason we've made that a cultural priority that, that church is all about Sunday. And, Mm. and that's not the case. And when we've talked about this before, that's, that's not the case. And I don't know why or how that ever became the thing, how Sundays became the end all be all of what church is supposed to be like. But in the text, it says they were meeting together every day. And so I think it was more a faithfulness to The Christ-centered community than it was a faithfulness to a specific service on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's really neat because Christ-centered community doesn't necessarily mean it has to happen at 1315 South 27th Street in No, right? And It can happen
0: at La NVIDIA when we eat tacos, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, That's a little plug there. Yeah, yeah. Best taco place in the world, actually. So go check it out. Gulfway Drive. You'll find it. It's good. Um, no, but, uh, but Christ-centered community. And, uh, you know, I've I've been in the game a long time. You've been in the game a long time. And I think, you know, this preacher game or whatever, church game, I think that's a cool way to say things now. <laughs> but uh, but it, there's this fear, it seems like to me, with pastors, that if you even give this inkling of a idea that, you know, church is— Church on Sunday isn't the most important thing. They they almost feel like you're heretical. Yeah. Right.
0: I think some of that for for some people, and I think sometimes it can be a pride thing. Maybe like Mm. Sunday morning for the for the for us is our time to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. It's our time to preach. It's our time to do what we do in growth groups and lead, or or, you know. So it's kind of like what we have to say is so important that you have to be here for that. Right. And I do think that Sunday morning is important. I do think that that being here for the sermon is important. But I think that if that is, inadvertently, I think we've made that what church is in our minds, that that's that's the definition of church, that the one or two hours on Sunday morning is the definition of church. And if we do that, then we're good. But I think that what happens in that is then it very easily becomes a checkbox system of, I've done my what my duty to God I've mm-hmm. given him the two hours or the one hour that I owe him mm-hmm. and then I'm going to live the rest of my life for myself and and that's that's not what we see biblically yeah in fact in Amos God gets he he talks very like direct about how that makes him sick right to, yeah. to see people just checking the box and doing things for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. it's got to go back to the heart that we love God we love other people and everything outflow over you know flows from that
1: yeah uh, the other Wednesday night we were we just got into the book of Ephesians and uh, Jesus is um, chastising, not chastising, but he's reprimanding the church of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And he starts labeling off stuff that they do right, you know, that they're very doctrinally sound and they're very moral and they're very faithful. And then he was getting onto them because that's all they were. And, right, right. And sometimes I look at it like, man, if we have sold out believers for Jesus Christ, then Sunday's not going to be a problem. I don't have to get up there and beg people to come to church on Sundays if they're sold out for Jesus Christ. That's right. They're going to come. That's right. It's a heart issue, right? That's what you're always saying. That's right. Uh, s- speak a little bit more on that, on the fact that it's it's not a, it's not so much as being faithful as a, you know, make sure this is what you do, but as a heart issue of this is what you want to be doing.
0: Yeah, so no one ever has to tell me you need to spend time with your wife. Mm-hmm. No one ever has to. That would be bad. That's never an issue, right? Because no one ever has to come to me and say, Daniel, you're not spending enough time with your kids. Because I love my kids, I'm going to spend time with them. And because I love my wife, I'm going to spend time with her. And if I love Mm -hmm. Christ and I love others, then I'm going to love his bride and I'm going to want to be part of what's being done here. And and it's just going to be a natural outflow of the love that I already have. I mean, it's, it's, it, it doesn't have to be about a checkbox. Like if I ever get to the point in my marriage where it's like, I have to spend time with my wife because that's what I'm supposed to do as a husband. Then that means that I've lost my love for my Mm. wife. Right. Yeah. But if it's about, I will love my wife and I want to spend time with her and she's my best friend and, and, you know, she means everything to me. Well, then naturally I'm going to give her the time because she's a priority in my life. I think that I think that we some sometimes we can get to a point to where church very much becomes more about I have to do this because I owe God this time. Right. And I just don't think that that's the heart that we should have when it comes to 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 this.
1: So would you recommend for someone who knows that they need to be more faithful to church to not so much start? And this is almost taboo, not so much start with just making sure you're there every Sunday. Would start in the home, maybe making sure you're in the word every day, making sure you're communicating with God every day. Would would that, does that make sense? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it would start with crying out to God like David mm. and saying, change my heart. Oh God. Oh yeah. Like recognizing that there's a problem is key, right? Like if, when you get to the point where you realize I should be doing this, but I'm not and it, And if I'm honest, I don't really want to, mm. Then, then the answer to that isn't, I'm going to try harder. That's not the gospel, man. The gospel is that the Holy Spirit comes in and changes your life. Mm. And so if we're trying to fix ourselves, that's antithetical towards the gospel, and it's antithetical towards what, what Scripture tells us to be. Mm. And so I think that we should be first and foremost bowing before God in prayer and saying, God, change my heart. Mm. Give me a desire for the things that you want me to have a desire for. Burden my heart for the things that, that burden your heart. And then, yeah, start diving in the Word, start diving, you know, in Scripture, and, and, and allow God to speak to you and allow Him to change you and start to change your affections for what yeah. really matter, right? And, and there's so many things in the world that we live in that rob our affections for Christ, but, sure. you know, when we ask God to change our heart and we start to align ourselves with Him through prayer and Scripture, then, then we want what He wants, and, and all this other stuff just kind of, it happens.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really good right there because, you know, we, we want to be fixers. We talk about that all the time. How many of you are fixers, we, right? You come to us with a problem. We're going to try to fix it. That's right. But, um, it, to, to think like, okay, I'm just going to set an alarm for earlier so that way I can get my kids up and, you know, we'll not this big fight and then we will make it there every Sunday for ten thirty And, you know, but, but you're right. You know, if, if we love Christ and we, we cry out to him because that's not the problem. Problem isn't that we're not coming to church. Problem is that we we don't hold church at the priority that it should be because right. it's not in our heart already right. to begin with. Right. Exactly. And so, but God can change that. Absolutely, yeah. He can change that. Right. Yeah, and, that's that's what He's there to do, man. Yeah. That's, let let Him do it. Yeah. And uh, and 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 the result will be better because of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, I think I think that was good. Um, I. I'm super excited even about this whole series. I know it's you one week, me another week, but, uh, I just want to say, if you're listening right now, you do not want to miss this Sunday. I don't want to give too much away or, or anything like that. And it's, it has nothing to do with my sermon, but it's, uh, it's not going to be a Sunday that you're going to want to miss. Do you agree with that? A
0: hundred percent. Uh, I, was very excited about preaching my sermon last week, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, like I said, it's a text that really means a whole lot to me. But this week is going to be like it's going to light a fire, and and I can't wait for it. And I'm excited to to hear you be able to unpack that text. And I'm excited for the little special thing that we've got going on yeah. that that we don't want to give away quite yet. But mm-hmm. but when you get here Sunday, and and you get through into this message, there's going to be a point in this message that's just going to break your heart, and it's going to light you on fire for the gospel. And I I'm If you if you if you got plans, cancel the plans and be here (laughs) this Sunday because I promise you it's gonna it's gonna be life changing.
1: Cancel the trip. Cancel the trip. Yeah,
0: Disney's not even even as cool as what's gonna be happening this Sunday. I promise.
1: (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. God bless. Bye bye. Thank you
0: so much for listening today, and we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow. Give and go.